what's next? What's next? Play it! Say it. Little Latin loopy loo. <laughs> Mitch Ryder and the Detroit Wheels? No! The Righteous Brothers. Well, never mind. No, not never mind. You tell me right now what's wrong with the Righteous Brothers. Nothing. I just prefer the other. Bullshit! How can it be bullshit to state a preference? Since when did this door become a fascist regime? Since you brought that bullshit tape in. Oh, man, that's great. That's the fun thing about working in a record store. You get to play crappy pap you don't even want to listen to. I just, I thought this tape was going to be a fucking conversation stimulator, man. I was going to ask you for your top five records to play on a Monday morning and all that, and you just have to fucking ruin it. Well, we'll do it next Monday. No! I'm going to do it now! Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Dave. Thanks for joining Bob and I for our podcast, Thriving in Dystopia. And even though we always try and be professionals, sometimes we swear. So just know that going in. I don't know. Weird. Here we go. (laughs) An auspicious start yet again for the young Maisler boys. (laughs) (laughs) Open up the podcasting app, crossing what fingers they have left. Hey, speak. (laughs) Speaking of which, Bob, do you know what today is the 10-year anniversary of it? When you uh, lost part of your finger. Yeah, 6-6-2011. Oh, my so God. It's, it's the day after. Day after, when you woke up in the hospital. No, I think they let, let you home that first day. Yeah. Did, you, did I sleep at your house, or did you come over to my house? I think you slept at, I think, well, I don't know, actually. I remember going back to the farm at some point. That's yeah. to return to the folks who were with you when the accident took place. Yeah. Can you believe it? I, it just feels like forever ago today. I woke up thinking, so that happened when I was 27. Now I'm 37. And today I woke up thinking in 23 years, I'm going to be 60 years old. <laughs> <laughs> just added Michael Jordan to it. And one quick Michael Jordan and I'm 60. I was just like, dang, I'm going to be 60. Um, well, anyways, Bob, how you doing? Uh, I'm doing well, doing great. I, I'm feeling like this feels familiar because in the early days we used to podcast on Mondays, um, in the early part of the day and we haven't done that in a long time, but I'm enjoying this feel and I'm enjoying that you look like a young Kevin Heffernan and I hope the audience knows who that, that is. Yeah, should we not give them a hint as to uh, who Kevin Heffernan is? Uh, maybe they can look that up on their own. <laughs> yeah, good, good luck, people. Um, and Kevin Heffernan kind of looks like a young John Candy. That's right. Uh, as the listeners can probably tell by my voice, I am rocking a uh, uh, chestnut mustache on this podcast. <laughs> yes, you are. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's it's just a game changer to change something about yourself, you know? I um I don't know. I feel like summer came and I was like, I want to do something different. And we're going to this wedding in Cleveland, and I was like, I think I'm just gonna rock a mustache. So I shaved off my beard and my mustache was pretty good, but it was like you could hardly tell because my mustache is blonde. So I went down to Walgreens and bought uh chestnut. Uh, hair coloring 
and I dyed my mustache and boy, it's popping. It is popping. I thought I was seeing devil or <laughs> that's not quite the right expression, but I, I thought I couldn't believe my eyes. Yeah. Good. Um, you know, I also wanted to say that I've been thinking a lot about dad this week, Bob. Um, we had to sell our chickens because Julie and I are buying a house and we are, it's like a condo and we're not allowed to have chickens at our condo. So it was just like so sad to see our chickens go. It was like a hard experience for me, way harder than I thought. And for whatever reason, I also decided to buy Birkenstocks right afterwards with my chicken money. Um, so I was already like thinking about dad because, you know, grief compiles or, or loss, like, ends up compiling on itself. And I was thinking about dad and I was like, oh, I want a summer shoe. I'm like, I'm going to go get some Burks. And I feel like that was such a dad move going to what's that store called the pedestrian. Um, was it in the Pearl street mall? Yeah. Yeah. I think it was called the pedestrian. And I bought myself some Birkenstocks and then today I'm working on a woodworking project and I went to home Depot and there was this old guy and he just went up to someone and started talking to this guy. And I got this feeling about how dad used to just go up to people randomly. And it would make me and you so uncomfortable when we were like in middle school or because he'd like ask random people questions. And this old guy went up to some guy and was like, hey, can you tell me where like the nylon gloves are? And the guy's like, I, I'm just a customer here. Like that <laughs> it was like a pretty awkward situation. And it, but it made me smile so much. And I was just like, man, I love it when old guys just come up to you and just start talking. That's perfect timing, really, because thinking about dad, uh, you are, as you mentioned, heading back to the, the land, hashtag land, this, this week for the wedding. Oh, yeah. And Cleveland. I'm curious <laughs> if you'll, yeah, have any intentions of, um, you know, just getting in touch with dad's old haunts or anything Cleveland related connected to dad is a, it's a good opportunity. I would say to connect with dad. Hmm. Yeah. Well, boy, I didn't even realize this, but we will be staying in Lakewood, which is where dad was born with our dear friends, Albert and Farrell. Um, and I'm realizing too, that dad grew up on a street called Wyandotte. Yeah. And two of the chickens we sold were Wyandots. Wow. And um, I didn't even make that connection till this moment um, because we always drive by Wyandotte and look, look up his house, you know, we do. Um, yeah. yeah. And so like just going back and forth from Cleveland to Lakewood, you ju just inevitably end up driving on Wyandotte. And I'm like, Oh, that's so interesting that that's, and like the last chicken when we were, we were catching, I was catching all the chickens for the Craigslist guy. And we had one chicken that was just really squirrely. Um, it's a she, but we, his name was Walter and he would just like run around and it was like, he was the last one out. He like catching him was going to be a nightmare. And the guy that was buying him like went for the lunge and pulled out one of Walter's tail feathers. Um, and I was like, and anyways, Walter, um, the Y and dot, that's like the one tail feather that I saved from the chickens and I have it on my like little altar. Nice. Glad that um, you have that. Yeah. Which is pretty nice and just interesting to have that connection be made right here. 
Thanks, Bob. Yeah, good stuff. It's all coming together. And um, on this topic, I was curious if you watched that video about the Cleveland Torso murders that I sent you. Oh, yeah, I did. I, I made myself a bowl of chili and watched an unsolved murder mystery from the 1930s. Yeah, it was pretty good. I, I'm not a huge like unsolved mystery guy for some reason, but um, yeah, I feel like the tr- there's a lo- lot of true crime people out there, and I think you're one of them now, aren't you, Bob? Um, I think so. I like that show. I like how they present various theories, and it's up to the the audience to sort of weigh over the theories. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty wild. It just seems like a different time, you know, like this part of town, what's it called? King's Row. Was that what it was? Maybe. That sounds familiar. Yeah. Just like the poor part of town with like gambling and prostitution. And it was like, I don't know, kind of felt like the Wild West to me. Which is interesting that 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 twist in the story that Elliot Ness is part of the like kind of like the lead detective and that was so interesting yeah Uh, he he burned it to the ground right yeah he burned that area to the ground so like awful move on his part you know yeah yeah seems like pretty classic like police towards poor people right yeah oh yeah we can't find the murderer i guess we'll just burn these like 30 a 63 houses to the ground (laughs) yeah exactly yeah, and I never heard of this story of this Cleveland torso murderer of the 1930s. And um, so I'm curious if you'll see anything related to that when you're in Cleveland. You know, yeah. when you're aware of something, you just notice things. And so maybe maybe something around that will come up. Yeah, that's very true. Uh, I'm, I'm also curious to abruptly switch subjects how you are done teaching or are you in summer yet? Uh, I am done teaching, but I have my grading now. So I'll have about good solid week of grading. Um, so, but that's big. That's like uh, done with all the teaching finished last Friday. And we're going back to in-person in the fall. So mm-hmm. that puts a, a bow on what we've called Zoom University, Zoom U, um, which uh, is weird that I feel, I kind of feel sadness around that. And that's my biggest feeling because I've, I've poured so much effort into, uh, you know, trying to do this well. And I'm sure I'll feel differently at some point. You know, I, I think it is important to have in-person interactions uh but just it it'd be nice to memorialize this time in some way uh all that all the energy that went into doing all this remote education uh and it's been hard but it allows for a deeper connection with the students i think in some certain ways because you're all facing a shared challenge or a shared um, you know, obstacle. So there's like some, some connection around that. And I've really enjoyed that, like developing that connection. So 
yeah, it, it's certainly a year of education that I'll never forget at the minimum. Yeah. Yeah. We went back to in-person learning during the school year, as you know, and I feel like there was a real sense of like, damn, why did I put in all this effort? Like I was like, Oh, I'll be able to use this. Like once we're back, like in person. And it's like, it's just two different worlds. Like all, like so much of the curriculum I developed for virtual learning, I won't be able to use again. Yeah. I feel bad about that. I've developed some activities that require kind of require zoom plus Google slides in unison that I just don't think we'll ever use again. Maybe, maybe every now and then for some kind of like event that, uh, you know, brings people together from disparate locations, but I don't think I'll ever use this thing when we're back in person, um, which is too bad because it's a good activity. And there's a few various things like that, that I'll miss. Yeah. We also, the sound studio now has video, so we're able to see each other. And I'm reminded of like in your background, it's like the garage door opener, which is hilarious. And I know that you recently got an award for being the most interesting teacher. Is that right? Uh, I had the psych department. I got the award for the most inspiring teacher this year. Yeah. So you were like the the happiest teacher around, right? Yeah, that's right. Exactly. Um, which is cool. I mean, no, that's really fitting. But I know that you accepted the award with your garage door opener in the background. I did. I at times have thought of like putting those Zoom backgrounds on, you know, that where you can't see what's behind. but. I just say, let's go for it. And this is the conditions that we, we, we find ourselves. And yeah. it's also allowed me to put my pride flag up, um, which I put up many months ago, not just for June. Not just for Pride Month. Yeah. Did you use your Yeti blue microphone to do your acceptance speech or did you just use the computer mic? Um, I, I, I used the computer mic in that moment, but at other moments I'd use the Yeti blue. Yeah. Good. Yeah. That's another, I remember when we got these microphones, I'm like, well, if I'm going to be an online teacher, I might as well have nice sound quality. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. Uh, all right, Bob, you ready to get into it? Ready as ever. Yep. Let's do it, Dave. Let's do it. So this week we made a list and I don't know if you have an obsession with lists as much as I do, but I feel like I'm always asking people to name their top five, like, or like name your, what's that movie? It's called high fidelity. Yeah. Um, and that guy, John Cusack, but what's the the author of the book? Nick Hornby. Is that right? Nick Hornby. Yeah. So like Nick Hornby, it's kind of based on his life, right? I think it is. I can see that. Yeah. So anyways, he's always doing top, top five lists, like top five atrocities that Stevie Wonder perpetrated in the 80s. <laughs> yes. Some question, is it better to burn out or fade away? <laughs> yes. Well, that's good. At least, we'll, at least we have our lead-in audio clip for the week, right? We do. There's some good classics in that movie. Yeah. <laughs> um. So yeah, we make, we're going to make a list this week and you can add to my loose ideas because I just want to lay it out as I see it, but maybe you have a little bit different, different ideas, but I was making a list. It's a top three list. Um, 
top three things that I have done in my life that I want to share with the listeners out there that have led me to um, living or yeah, making another world possible, I guess I should say. So as opposed to just like dreaming of another world or um, living in this world and trying to change the world, it's kind of like this idea of making another world and living in it to me. And I I think another intention that we have is the guests that we will have on the show, we'll ask them to give a, a list of ideas of how they've lived and made another world possible in their life over the years. And I don't know, it's always nice to have a someone else's perspective, I think, about what they've done to live this other world because I think sometimes we are... We look for others for advice, but also just like, just, it's nice to get the the brainstorming going on. So I'm also like super looking forward to hearing your three ideas. Awesome, Dave. Great intro. Yeah. And part of this idea was off this book that I read for my psych of activism class. It's called Read and Riot, A Pussy Riot Guide to Activism by Nadia Tolokonakova, one of the folks who's in Pussy Riot, um, and she has her rules of activism, which are slightly different, um, but they help us think about our, our, you know, sort of rules of how to, I don't think we're calling them rules, but sort of like ideas for turning dreams into reality in terms of another world is possible. So, yeah, I was thinking... We could just go back and forth, Dave. I have three, three, three ideas as well, and I'm super excited to hear yours and then hear them from our guests this season. Yeah. Before we do that, I'm I'm curious, and I'm sure most listeners are too. Um, do you know where Pussy Riot is right now? Because they like came to the forefront, sort of. I guess I feel like it was right around like Ferguson time. Um, and yeah. my, I'll, I'll give you the layman's impression of Pussy Ride is that they're like a Russian band that was speaking out for how um, like gay, lesbian and the trans community was treated in Russia, right? Yeah, but, I would say yes. That's a part of it. Definitely. And they were like sort of speaking out of the oppression just overall in Russia, but also specifically towards uh, gay rights, but maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you could tell us what, cause you just read this book. I'm assuming it's pretty new. It's a 20, I think 2018 uh-huh. two years ago. Yeah. And it's, it's sort of after she got out of jail, out of prison, and then had a chance to reflect on the prison experience and before that. And yeah, they, they come out of some kind of interesting she always talks about they come out of the conceptual art world of Russia and she really loves conceptual art, which is kind of similar to like street art or like, you know, you can do anything like you don't have to follow the rules of some kind of art movement or genre. So that's how they started their band. And they're not like musicians, they're artists, but they felt like what was necessary was a punk band. Um, and then they put the like rainbow colored balaclavas on and 
they would play different places and they have like political songs and their early years were very much like, um, like our group CSP, just like, just a few of them being like, what should we do tonight? Or like, what should we do? Let's just do, let's go down to this place, this restaurant that's owned by a fascist and like try to, um, you know, lock the doors and weld the doors shut. Um, and they did that action. Uh, hey, so the book, hey, the book Starbucks. Oh yeah, exactly. <laughs> a kid to Nick Kendrick. Uh, Blasting Starbucks in 2007. Yeah. Hey, Starbucks, come out and join us. Oh, man, what a good protest. Nick Cantrick <laughs> just yelling at people on Starbucks on Pearl Street. <laughs> the, the book reads a lot like Crime <sighs> Thinks, Days of War, uh, Nights of Love. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's like very Crime Think, her, the ideas in it. And um, yeah, it's very inspiring. Like she goes to prison for two years and it's awful, but she comes out even stronger and that's really beautiful to read about as well. And so they, they sort of, after that, they, they founded a prisoner's rights organization called Zona Prava. And then they, they later founded an independent news, uh, service called media's media Zona. And it's partnered with the guardian. So they're kind of like, you know, like she's got a great consciousness. She's like radical feminist, anarchist, um, you know, queer rights, anti-racism. So it's more like they have many different issues, more just pushing authoritarian society towards something more progressive. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. All right. Let's get on with it. Thanks for the background. Uh, for sure, Dave. Yeah. Do you want to start us off with your first, do you want to call them ideas or what do you want to call these, this list? Um, let's just call it, let's call it the summer to-do list. <laughs> summer to-do. Yeah. The Good. only reason I say that is because I took notes when I was thinking, I opened up a random Google drive document called my summer to-do list. And I just, <laughs> so this is on my summer to-do list right now. I think that's fitting. Yep. Um, I think we all should take a little time in the summer to to make another world a little bit more possible for us. So, yes, I will start. And I'm going to start right there with number one. And for me, one of the things that I've done in my life that has been just like... I don't, I don't, I'll just talk about it a little bit. So I have taken a few times in my life to unplug and by unplug, I mean, just trying to take the messaging of society and push it as far out of my reach as possible because it's pretty pervasive and you can't like unplug completely from society and what it's trying to tell you and push you to do. Um, But I think I've done this successfully really three times in my life. Once when we lived in Denver together, Bob, we sort of were couch surfing mostly on Dave Harris's couch and just like, kind of like just living outside of the capitalist mind frame as much as possible. We, we would try and do as many actions as we could that were free or that we could do without um, any money or using any petroleum. I felt like, um, and 
Yeah, it felt like a really a time where we unplugged from the greater society and it felt really liberating. And another time that I did this was Julie and myself went to Maine before a school year started. So like in late August, we spent a week in Maine and we took we unplugged from sugar. We unplugged from cell phones and computers, electronics. And um, I think we, yeah, we also know gluten or dairy as well. So we were really just eating like what's called kitchery, which is like lentils and um, rice. And our entertainment was just hanging out and like playing board games and going to the ocean to try and like go find some fish and stuff. Um, and that felt like a time that felt really centering in a lot of ways. And I feel like both those two experiences got me into a, like a totally different place mentally, but also physically. And I think that that was a really important way for me to like open up my mind to this other world and like, just to like see it, to be like, you know what, if, if we can, if we want to see this other world where we're not like commoditizing everything, where we're not reliant on these greater big systems where, um, you know, we live in a way that's simple. I feel like all those things felt really important to me that unplugging from the society that we all know and love and hate. Oh, good. Brilliant, Dave. I love that. It makes the idea easy. Just like unplug as the, the mantra. And I, I think you're so right with that. So necessary. It, it can give perspective. And it can allow your body to feel the world in a different way than when we're bombarded by the stimulation of late capitalism. Yep. Um, cool. My first rule, I'm calling them rule. My first to do to do list item is find a radical documentary and watch it. And even better, watch it with some friends or family members. And this happened to us back in 2007. And the movie is called The Power of Community, How Cuba Survived Peak Oil. 53-minute documentary. Um, I don't, it's hard to find that movie, but there is plenty of others out there. Um, but if, if, if listeners want an idea, just going to YouTube and Googling um, that idea, like urban farming in Cuba, pretty inspiring. Even, even now um, finding like YouTube has, is a lot better now than it was back when we watched this movie. So that movie allowed us to think outside what we thought was possible with food and um, living in a like society that is very limited resources because of U.S. embargoes on it. And that movie showed Cuba has been able to be in the cutting edge of, I guess, urban farming, agroecology, all those ideas um, that have 
subsequently been taken up in the United States in different ways. Um, but for us, yeah, that got our mind really going on what could be possible. And so I think I'll, another way to do this one would just be like, I know our listeners are, can, you know, have their hearts concerned with the world. It's like just any idea of oppression or exploitation out there. I'm sure there's a decent documentary on it. And just watching that, I would also say maybe even bonus points for like, watch the documentary and then read a book that's on the same topic to keep, keep you like deepening your, your philosophies and ideas and knowledge about it. And um, yeah, even better if you can start a book club on that book. So that's my first to-do list. That's pretty good, Bob. I feel like maybe one of the more important things about that too that I want to come back to is that idea of watching it with somebody else too. And I feel like it for me too, it's maybe even watching with someone that you, that you're close with, but also that you're not like, maybe you don't see every day, you know, I feel like sometimes like I'll watch a movie with Julie and we like don't always have the best conversation afterwards, mostly because I'm tired and just want to go to bed or already asleep, you know? So I feel like when you, when you like, it's kind of a different mode when you're like a guest or a host, you know? Yeah. And to have, but to, to like, even to set up time for after the movie's over for discussion, you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, my first one was unplug. My second one is going to be connect. <laughs> and um, that you're going to want to plug your computers in. You're going to want to take, oh. no, just kidding. Um, <laughs> what I mean by connect is connect to the earth. I feel like we, if this world that we see in the future, this other world that's possible, a lot of it has to do with sort of self-reliance, right? If we because we have become so accustomed to reliance on the mechanism of, of capitalism to take care of us. Right. Like if you make enough money, you basically don't have to know how to do anything. Um, you don't know how you like in this day and age, you like, you don't even know how to know how to have to make coffee and not that I would say more people probably, you know, making coffee is like doing a Keurig machine or whatever. Um, and I'm not even talking about the process of like harvesting coffee or like growing coffee or like fermenting coffee and then like all that processing or even like the real way to roast green coffee beans. And then, you know, taking that and grinding your coffee. Like a lot of people are, that idea is like a, I don't know why I use coffee as an example, but there's like a lot of disconnection there. Right. Maybe I got Starbucks on the mind. Um, But yeah, that idea of disconnection, we are so disconnected from the processes that we use every day. Like, and I understand like none of us, yeah, we don't, we understand that paper, like let's just papers made. And like, we sort of had like a general understanding of how paper is made. But I think in this world, this idea of self-reliance is like so crucial and you can do it from any type of way. If you want to connect with any type of process that you use in your daily life or something that you want to get into, right? Like 
Um, there's like survival skills. So you can learn how to like do like pelting and felting, you know, like making your own clothes or, you know, pelting animal skins. Um, the way I chose to do it was I connected with the earth through farm systems, right? Um, so through, through our food system and farming. And I feel like that changed me as a person in a way where I was like, this is like, it didn't, it, I thought it was going to make me into a farmer, but instead it made me into like a person who understands food. And it like, I never really have become a farmer in my life, but I have like food has been so much a part of my life, whether it's cooking or growing some amounts of food or preserving food. It's just been like, it's part of my identity to know about food. And then, you know, everything from that creates like an offshoot of like, well, now that I know about food, I know about my health and my body and I have a greater understanding of my body. And then, you know, I have a greater understanding of my psyche. So I feel like this, maybe I'll call it radical self-reliance is like a way of looking at the world and rather than disconnecting, it's connecting to what keeps us alive. And I think we so often will be plugged into a system and if we unplug it, it frees up so much more time for us to connect to another system, a more healthy system and one that will bring us, uh, I don't know if it will bring us joy in the, in necessarily like it's a, it's pretty fun to watch episodes of Mandalorian or WandaVision, but I, it will bring us like this, like peace and like this, pride so and i mean also it's kind of what we need to do right if like some of these capitalist systems that are um unhealthy like we need to find out ways to like do it ourselves, you know i love that dave so i would have a question uh follow up like for someone to want to do that what are some ways that they could do that would you suggest like starting a garden as being a way to do that maybe yeah if I think you need to follow your passion, right? So like you could take any person, like let's use Nick as an example, like Nick. Yes, he did get into farming, but he got more into the idea of like systems of living, right? So he became a carpenter before he became a farmer and he just wanted to know how to like build his own house. And it started like, Oh, maybe I want to like learn how to build a composting toilet. Maybe I want to learn how to build like a sauna. And then it, he became a builder because of that. And now he like teaches carpentry. Right. And you know, over the years, carpenters and farmers are pretty connected. Um, or you can take Julie who wanted to like sort of take health and plants into her. Like it comes, it came from a, like Nick's passion came from the idea of building things. And Julie's passion came from the idea of the fact that she just like loves plants and being in the woods. And that brings her a lot of peace and, uh, like happiness doing that. So she, you know, her self-reliance became like taking care of um, her, her and her community's health through herbalism. Right. Mine started with farming. Um, but yeah, kind of went all over the place and yeah. What would you say yours would have been in a way that you've connected with the earth or self-reliance? Um, I think definitely gardening. Mm-hmm. Um, I have always picked up gardening techniques from you and Nick and others. And so when starting our home garden, 
you know, maybe I'd look a, a few things up on the internet, but I felt very confident of how to sow seeds and, you know, grow things from seed or grow things from starts, how to like, you know, start with good soil and all that. So, um, I feel pretty confident around gardening and I, and I really love it because it takes patience and dedication sort of every day. Yeah. Tending. Um, and also just think it's great getting to know plants like Julie does. I have that, uh, interest as well. Mm-hmm. Like what, what is this plant out here and what is it's, where does it come from? And I mean, the uses of it for humans is interesting and important, but also just what it is as a plant beyond human consumption is important too. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's me. I'll continue since we have a, a few more and I want to get to, to them all in this app. It's for, I've, I was like thinking about like our listeners who are parents and I was like, they must just have so much, like maybe they want to take some steps towards the things that we're talking about, but maybe parenting is too busy or like too consuming. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe not, maybe folks have more time, but I think, um, for parents, for, for those of us who don't have kids, I think it would, the to do is like reach out to the parents that we know and see if they would ever need help with like, um, sitters or just, just hanging out with, with the kiddos and. I think for people who don't have kids, that's a good practice of mm-hmm. being connected with multiple, like different generations. And I would hope that it helps parents, um, especially as they f- find folks who are like really good with their kids. And um, for my rule number three, I think uh, this will free the parents up to do my, my to do number three. So yeah. And it, I think this one also just helps to break down like the isolation that can happen of families. Um, like, I think it's important to do this to like increase connections and community and uh, like just building community overall is really important in terms of another world being possible. So that's my, my second to-do list. I like that bum. Yeah. I feel like it's really hard. I know. Um, to ask people to take care of your kids, but it's also, um, sometimes it's like hard to be like, yeah, but is this person quite right? So it's like a, it's a mixed bag, but I do think like I've had experiences where parents have put their trust of their kids in me and it's been really rewarding for me to be like, Hey, yeah, like it's a gift to give your to let your kids hang out with a person, but for both sides, right? It's a gift yeah. for the kid and it's a gift for the adult in a lot of ways. Um, yeah. So that openness of like, it, I think like, I'm not thinking of anyone in particular, but I know that like the idea of like the helicopter parent or like the parent, like, oh, I don't know, like, do I trust this person? Like, of course, like if you don't, if you don't get a good feeling, don't let them take care of your kids. But like, I think that if you can like give your, 
yeah, let your kids be the gift as well to the other, to the community. Um, it's a hard thing to do as a parent, I think. And I'm like, I guess I'm saying this mostly because I'm nervous. Like when I become a parent, like, will I be willing to just like, let my kid go off with some adult that I know pretty well, but like, I don't know, like, how will they do with my kid? Yada, yada, yada. It's like, I think in the end, like we all just want to take care of each other. Right. And I think I want to like put that trust out into the world, um, on both ends. So yeah, I do like that, Bob, that idea of creating community through, through the sitter. Yeah. The sitter. That's a funny, funny concept. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Two more sitting. That's my rule. Yes. Sit. Sit and be fit. Okay. Number three for old Davy Peach, the Peachman. Um, <laughs> I, so first we unplug, then we connect. The last one I have is we sort of, I don't really have a, a catchy phrase for this, but we give ourselves up. And what I mean by that is it is pretty easy to put ourselves first. To, to put the good of what we, who we are ahead of the community. And I think that like the messaging is that like we're more important, but it's also just so much easier to like, ah, instead of going out and doing this, I'm just going to like take a spa day or a me day, you know? Uh, and I think those are important too. But I think that if you can put your ego aside, it will build community. And I did this yesterday or two days ago when we were get, getting rid of our chickens. Um, we were moving the chicken coop and the two guys that came and picked it up, their names were both Matt and they were both built out of a lot of meat. So I was thinking of them as meat mats. Meat they, were, <laughs> they were just, they were just a couple of meats. I mean, they were big old dudes, but our chicken coop was built very strong and it was it was definitely a four person lift, but because they were both so much meat, it was easy. It was easy enough for the three of us to lift up the coop and put it on the back of their truck. Um, but then I asked them, I said, how are you guys going to unload it when you get to your place? And they're like, ah, I don't know, yada, yada, yada. I'm like, it's like 250 pounds, this thing, you know what I mean? But it was also just like awkward AF. And I, I asked them, I said, would it be okay if I just came and helped you guys? Um, because I knew like if I was in their situation, it'd be super handy to have another meaty dude, uh, <laughs> another mu- mustachioed meaty man coming out, <laughs> um, and unloading the coop. So I just drove behind them the whole way. And I felt like, um, it would have been a lot easier for me to just be like, see it guys. Thanks for the money. Like enjoy the chickens. But I, I like went there and I felt like it really created a lot of community. Just me doing that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, it's pretty weird. I'd say like, don't, I don't say, I'm not just saying you should drive around with every Craigslist guy that you meet, but like, I don't know. They like, it felt, I could like see it in their eyes, like how like happy they were. They didn't quite know what to do with that. Like someone being so helpful. Um, like they ended up tipping me, which was kind of weird. And I like, I couldn't say no because I, it was on the Venmo. Um, they were like, oh man, but it, like, 
that's kind of how we show our appreciation. We don't know what to do. So it's like, here's 20 bucks. Um, but that's not why I was doing it. And I, uh, I don't know. Anyways, I just feel like, yeah, I, it made it made me want to like be more of service to the community, you know, or to, to our, to our neighbors. I feel like that can like change someone from being jaded and um, like a cynic to being like optimistic. And I feel like those are the moments that like we need to like believe that another world is possible to believe that like people out there are, are inherently good as opposed to inherently bad. And I want to like try and change that because I think so often we believe that everyone's just a piece of shit, you know, and especially those mustachioed men, but no. Um, yeah, I just, I just want to make the world better. And I feel like if I could, I read a poem by Thoreau saying like, if to success is making the world a better place than when we got here, whether it's through like a garden or through helping out a neighbor. And I was like, ah, oh, man, that poem really spoke to me. Um, like what is success? And yeah, so that it's something that I do naturally pretty well, but I think it's something that I could do better and we can all strive to do better with. Yeah. I had a similar thought. I didn't, codify it into an idea, but I, something like that came up for me too. And I was thinking like, like do like volunteer, um, like once in a while or something like once a week or once every once in a while, or maybe volunteering is too structured. So maybe that idea of do a, a random act of kindness, um, maybe gets at it as well. Uh, and then like, you, you like do it and like, don't expect anything back from it. Just do it and see what happens, you know, um, and be open to what happens. So that's a, a great, I'm glad you had a great example for, for that one, Dave. Um, all right. My last one is um, my la- third rule. Third to do list is go to a demonstration. And this is on here because all the demonstrations I've been to in my life, just something happens there that really hits me deep, transforms me. I can remember so many of them so clearly. So something's happening at demonstrations that has had a very strong effect on me um, throughout all the years. For example, the boycotting Starbucks demonstration of 2007 that you and I are referencing in this episode. (laughs) Uh, Sorry, Nick Kantrick. Anyways, um, no, Nick's been through some great demonstrations with us in the past. Um, you know, demonstrations don't always happen. They're like, for example, I can't think of any demonstrations that I've had the chance to go to in 2021. Of course, there were like the uprisings um, after George Floyd was killed in 2020. Um, that, you know, so demonstrations just are kind of like a little bit random and you have to sort of be open to going to them. Of course, last year, all the concerns of COVID dampened a lot of people's ability to go. Um, so yeah, we live in a little bit of a different world COVID during COVID and where we are with the pandemic. Um, of course, being as safe as possible, but I would just say, o- open oneself up to them and 
yeah, I think they are not the same for everyone. So this rule definitely does not necessarily apply to everyone. But for me, I would have to say that they've been so huge in my thinking of like what I see at demonstrations that another world is possible. All the things we're talking about, camaraderie, solidarity, gift, giving oneself up, um, really connecting um, ideas, like radical ideas being there. So uh, that is my last to do, Dave. Love it, Bob. Yeah. Well, I feel like it's a, it's a big list and uh, intimidating at times for sure. Even just thinking about the six that we brought up, which are a rando six, you know, maybe we should reframe it. Like if it's a to do, to do list that makes it sound like we have to do all of them, but it's more like, here's an apple tree. You know, if you want an apple, come and take one or something like that. Yeah. Try an apple. If not like take a bite. And if you don't like this apple, Hey, go to a peach tree somewhere else. (laughs) Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Try peach. Why not? Yeah. Good bum. All right. You ready for the, the quick fix day? Yeah. Hit me up, Bob. Quick fix. Um, so I like to think of my quick fixes for you of like just these things in my life that maybe are tricky for me. And I was like, what would Dave do in this situation? So they're always kind of funny. Um, here's one. Okay. You're doing the dishes and you finish up the dishes. Um, of course, just not in the dishwasher, but in a sink. And then after the dishes, you notice this either dripping or clicking kind of 10 feet away, like not in the the sink area, but like in a wall, um, in a different, a little bit like 10 feet away from your sink. And this is definitely not an accessible wall. Like I think the wall would have to be opened. Um, what do you do? How do you fix this situation? (laughs) Oh man, Bob, that seems wild. I guess mayonnaise. Um, (laughs) What if you've run out of mayonnaise? (laughs) Dang. Uh, So does it happen every time you do the dishes? I've noticed um, it's not every time. Um, I think it's only on the times I think where I do a lot of dishes. Yeah. Do you notice it after you take a long shower? Have you ever uh, taken a long no, shower? The shower is like, I would think it's like downstream from the, that pipe, you know, with the dishes pipe. Yeah. Wow. But I don't have the same idea of you as like, Ooh, is there a pipe? Well, so I guess they've, a sub question is what happens if there's a pipe leaking in your wall? Is that probably creating some rot somewhere? Well, yeah. So we recently had one of our pipes, get a little bit clogged and then it just burst. Um, it was a drain pipe and turned out it was lead lead based drain pipe from like the 1950s that was super old and just like hadn't been switched in 70 or 80 years. It's like, Oh man. And it like created a giant mess in our basement. Um, luckily we don't really care because it's not our basement, but I think that, these pipes, because they're so old, they're 
is like a little bit of a weird moisture thing happening in our house. And even though Colorado is like the driest place in the world, we have like weird mold stuff that happens. Mm. Um, yeah. Oh, I, and I hate mold. I hate the idea of just like always being like sneezy or it's just not good. Right. Totally. Um, there's actually a woman that Julie knows who, if she walks into a house and there's even a little bit of mold in the house, she like feels it. And like, it's kind of cool. I was like, man, I really want her to come into our house and see if her like mold sensors go off. Um, yeah. My thought, Bob, is you got a leaky pipe. So then what is your quick fix? I want it quick, Dave. Yeah. I don't want any kind of complicated fix here. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Comp. <laughs> It's just not, it's dang, you can't fix that quick, Bob. Well, then this segment of the show is worthless. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, I I think we can all agree on that, right? (laughs) You can't slap mayonnaise on everything that comes up here. And then what what good is this segment? Jeez, here's the thing. What What if you can't fix it quick? You have to fix it right. And what if the point of this segment is to produce hilarity rather than anything substantial? <laughs> yeah. Like who the hell is going to take my advice on fixing a pipe? I guess you are. <laughs> it's kind of like that thing that Dave Harris once said, like, who's going to find this episode and take the advice on the quick fix? You know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't know. Cause if someone does boy. Yeah. I think it's, you know, here's the thing. You're renting your house, right? Yep. You got to call up the landlord and have them to check it out. I think that'd be a, that's the quick fix. There you it is. Renter, Bob, you, there call it is. And you get it off your plate. We call those SCPs. Someone else's problems. <laughs> that, <laughs> SCPs and mayonnaise are the two go-to answers oh. on this part of the show. <laughs> yep. So you, there you go, Bob. Uh, I think the number is in you your phone book. And I'll see you next week. <laughs> All right, Davey, uh, give us our coordinates and let's, let's roll out of here. Let's, yeah, we got to get, we got to get out of here before someone actually calls us up. All right. So you can find us at, um, whatever Dave Peachtree at Gmail, Dave Peachtree at TikTok, uh, Dave Peachtree at, uh, Twitter, Dave Peachtree.com. Find <laughs> <laughs> us in the peach orchard, would you? <laughs> yeah. I want to, you should Google thriving in dystopia and see if you get us. Cool. That's how there they, you go. that's our coordinates. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. You just Google thrive. Ah, <laughs> uh, no, just listen to next week's episode and get the real coordinates. Okay. <laughs> well, before all the wheels fall off of this episode, <laughs> Nadir, bring in the music. Yes. Love you, Bob. Love you, Dave. What's up, Driving Crew? Bob and Dave want to take a second to thank you for lending them your ears. They also want to thank the artists for making everything a little more beautiful. The intro song is In Heaven by Drake Stafford. Our audio is edited by the consummate and dexterous Nadir Chayetch. Web design by Chris the Mixer Sawyer. And of course, visual art is by the prolific and enigmatic Joe Shine. Our new outro song is Box Goldberg Variations, Variato 3 a 1 by Kimiko Ishizaka. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.